today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about our takeaways from the Doc Rivers press conference, what it could look like when he builds out the rest of his coaching staff, and the imprint he can have on the Sixers' two young stars. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. You know, I guess because we're so bad at doing this, a couple of housekeeping notes. First of all, if you could, head on over to your podcast app of choice, but iTunes would be spectacular. Uh, leave us a rating and a review. I'm not going to tell you to leave a five-star rating, but we do like the five-star ratings. And also, if you're not an Athletics subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat. I think the $1 promotion is still going. Is that? There, it's still going. Yep. Okay. $1 a month. Um, it's the it's lowest it's ever What are you been. doing? It's, it is pretty much. I mean, look, we got a, We had a million people subscribe before it was $1 a month. Like they're paying, most of them are paying $60 a year. You can get it for 12 right now. It's a special discount. How is it not 2 million already? I I, I don't have any uh, data on our, on our subscriber analytics, but you know, well, I mean, well, $1. Well, we, Go make it a million and one. We would really appreciate it. And we also think uh, you will enjoy it as well. I guess we have to start this off with Joel and Anna. With, you know, we recorded our last podcast right before they announced that they had a, a child, uh, Arthur. Uh, so we had to sort of add that in at the beginning. And then now, right before we go to record news breaks, uh, their, their dog, uh, Klaus, tragically uh, passed away after an accident in a... Um, in a in an elevator, which it is, you know, it I, I lost a cat like two years ago, and it's still every now and then it's still, it still it it just stings like that is family. Uh, my heart certainly goes out to Anna and Joel. Um, it is it's just it's it's dead and so young. Like I he I think he got that dog like a little over a year ago. Uh, the way it happened, it's just a, a tr- tragic circumstance. So I really feel for them right now. It's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> and some of the pictures that that. The funny thing behind the scenes, Joel seems like he's a, a real softy. Uh, and some of the pictures they just they, they posted on Instagram, it is re- real tough time for them. I'm sure it's it's devastating. So what, starting one, the pot off on a sour note. Yeah. And, and one other sour note um, too. Uh, shout out to Serena Winters. Yeah. It's uh it's not easy to come in from out of town. We're a very parochial local place. And, and also it, not easy to replace Molly, who is pretty was, well liked here among Sixers fans. Very popular as for good well. reason too. Yeah, and to uh, to do what she did, which is, you know, I think she got hired right before two seasons ago. Like she did not have much of a runway, and she seamlessly stepped into a role and she killed it. Um, very versatile. She did some writing and stuff for the website. There were a few times when. Uh, Probably more than a few times, she came up with stories where I read it and was like, "Damn, I'm uh, I'm mad I didn't think about that." And uh, most importantly, I don't have anybody on the beat to talk uh, golf with now. <laughs> well, you're certainly not getting that out of me. Um, Maybe Doc Rivers. He likes golf, actually. Yeah, no, he does. He does. Me, me and Doc can be the golf guys together, and that's all I'll ask him about. I'm sure uh, the athletic would love that. But yeah, I would just say like Serena did a great job and. It's just unfortunate that um, that's happened a lot at that company. And, a, a lot. A lot. Yeah, no, it, Serena is... And it's not a reflection um, on her work, which was Oh, no, they, I mean, they, they, cut, they cut sideline reporters, like, period, like, across the board, which is just mind-boggling. Um, 
Especially no, for a local team too. Like sometimes right. I think for you know these big national games, there are like three sideline reporters, and I'm not even talking about basketball at this point. Like football, sometimes that can be a little tedious. But I don't know. Like for like a local team, it's nice to have the sideline reporter who travels with the team and gets the walk off interview after somebody plays you know a great game. And in Serena's case, like when you get Embiid after an awesome game and he's wound up, you know that's. I don't know what they're going to do anymore, but man, that's that's going to be a loss if that element is not a part of the Sixers anymore because it, it happens, I don't know, five, six times a year at least. Yeah. No, I mean, look, you you run into some sideline reporters, some people on TV in general who you can just tell they don't know the game. Serena really, really like that's one thing I really got being around her. I got a couple things. First of all, she really knows the game. She really loves the game. Um, she is just one of the nicest people and quite frankly, there's some grumps on the beat. She is one of the Us. nicest people on the beat and one of the hardest workers too. Uh, and like you said, she really showed her diversity. Um, but I'm looking forward to Serena getting to a company that knows uh, knows what the hell they're doing, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, and, and she should. I mean, that one of the other things I, I took is that she's very popular around the NBA. It's not like she started in Philadelphia. So I'm sure she will land on her feet. All right, basketball. I, you know, we had Doc Rivers press conference this past week. I guess that was Monday, if my math is correct. Um, it is. Good job I, by you. <laughs> not not that it's math, but like my time is, is weird in 2020. I guess we'll just start off with sort of what your initial impressions were, what your major takeaways were, and how much of that you really think matters. I thought it was kind of boring, to be honest. Didn't really say anything that interesting. And it seemed like that was by design. Would you agree with that? Oh, sure. You expect that a guy who's who's been in the NBA 21 years um, will not give you a whole lot. He'll, he will talk a lot without saying much. Sort of like, were you, were you on the beat during Doug Collins' era? No. Doug Collins was, well, I mean, Doug, if you got him going, he could tell you something too. But he would he would talk and filibuster for a long time and you'd look up and it would be a six minute answer and he didn't actually give you any usable quotes. That is a, 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 a coach who has been around knows how to do that. Yeah. Not answering the question. Where, where have I seen that this week too? Um, <laughs> did you know that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have played together when, or when they've played together, they've won 65%, 65% of the games, yep. no. not 64, not 66, <laughs> 65. And that was, Part of the doc experience the other day, I would say with any of the questions about like Ben's shooting, what are people's roles going to be? He basically was like, I've only been here for a day or two and it's, it's a little hard for me to figure that out now. So in some ways I thought when he was answering those questions, he's, he's got an actual opinion. On a lot of these things. Oh, of things. course. He didn't he didn't go into his interview with, you know, Josh Harris and Elton Brand and they're like, Hey, how do you how do you plan on using Josh Richard? And he's like, I don't know. I, I just know. got here. Give yeah. me a five year deal and I'll tell you. <laughs> right. That's yeah. not how the interview process works. But to be fair, you know You don't want to say that to the media. I get it. I get it. Yeah, and it. with specific roles, like he's only been here a few days too. And you want to communicate that to the players first. And uh, yeah, no, there's a lot. Yeah, there, sure. There's certainly, you know, practice time and, and things might change his priors a little bit, I would say. Um, so yeah, there, there wasn't a ton there. I would say like the, um, 
you know, he talked about sacrifice. He had a somewhat interesting answer on what the front office dynamic is going to be like. It's pro- And honestly, reading it back, it might not have been an interesting answer if the Sixers weren't the weirdest front office situation in the league. You know, this idea that we're going to work together. But, you know, with, with the circumstances of Doc having a lot of personnel power in the past and just generally having a lot of juice around the league and the Sixers, you know, Elton finally taking over this year, that's something that's going to be, um, it's going to be parsed. I guess, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I'm not doing too well right now. I don't have a ton that's like, wow, he, um, he really like won the press conference or anything like that. Nor, nor do you have to, um, is that, I don't think that's necessarily important, but he also didn't really offer a lot. Yeah. Um, did you, I, I, I can get into some dumb things he said that I thought like were, and when I say dumb, I mean just like trivial, unimportant, and me being dumb. Like, I was going to say, th- that's one hell of a way to start um No, no, no. I think, he's, I think he's smart. I, I'm talking about just, just me laughing at, at dumb sure. stuff. He um he talked about wanting to get in the top seven in offense. I don't know if this was during the press conference or I listened to something on the Sixers.com, and he said, I think we were 19th last year um, in offense. And I'm thinking, like, they weren't that bad in offense. No, I was so like, I, or- yeah, they were 14th. So I looked up their total points per game, and they were 20th. And so my big takeaway from this, is Doc a points per game guy? <laughs> Has Elton's war on analytics already set in? That's my big takeaway. No, it's... the uh, I think, like, he did kind of lay out, okay, everybody's going to need to buy in. Everybody's going to need to sacrifice, which is something I wrote about a little bit this week. The problem is he he can say that now and it sounds good and it sounds like, okay, this is the guy who's going to lead the team, but you actually have to show that you could do it with this group and that can't happen until they actually start playing games. So I, I guess going back to your co- your comment on the, um, on the front office, you know, he, he, here is, he was asked about working with Elton and he said, we'll work together. That's one of the things that was so exciting about this job to have that opportunity with Elton. I think we have a chance to build something great here, not just on the court. I actually think it starts off the court and we have to get that part right. So that's exciting. I think Elton and I will have a chance to form an amazing partnership together and we'll grow from there. That was certainly not what I think I was expecting as an answer. If I'm being completely honest, you know, cause there was a, there were numerous reports, numerous reporters reporting that Doc would not have a uh, front office title. And he doesn't have a front office title. But that certainly indicates he is more involved than a typical coach would be. Which you sort of get because Elton is probably a little less involved than a typical GM would be. And also Doc has that history of, you know, of of having control. And he really, for th- those couple of years there in with the Clippers, he he did have final sight. Like he had had, had control. So that will be interesting to watch out. You know, we then, of course, had reporting from um, your own Weitzman, uh, the the host of Weitzman Can't Jump, which is one of my favorite podcast titles. It is he said basically the Sixers were starting to interview candidates to work underneath Elton. Um, so we'll see. You know that that sort of front office change. It seems like they went coach first, and then front office changes. I don't want to say restructuring because it doesn't seem like it's going to be that deep but that was an interesting um takeaway for sure 
in a, yeah. in a pretty boring press conference. And the problem with I I've said it before. I I freaking hate these Zoom calls. It is that was like halfway through the press conference. It's impossible for me to ask a follow up. It's impossible for you to ask a follow up. Basically, when he says that there are fifteen hands already raised in Zoom. So even if you raise your hand, you're not going to get called because those 15 who already have their hands raised, they're not going to get through all of them anyway. So if you hear something interesting, you can't then follow up on it. And we never really got a great chance to follow up on it. But um, that was interesting for sure. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks. And we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager that's funny yeah elton did the introduction and then it was all docked the rest of the way you think elton was like he was home by the time that press conference ended, like <laughs> just got in his car and got the hell out of there. Um, yeah, no, it's, you know, what's funny about Elton and doc. I'm surprised that there isn't any prior relationship there. Yeah. Just for two guys who had been in the league for such a long time that, um, that overlapped, they really didn't know each other that well. well. When was the Philly special? 2017, 2018. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm talking um, Elton's, Philly Max. Philly Elton's Max. Philly Max. Yeah, 2008. When, 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 okay. Yeah, so he was well before Doc. Um, Doc was winning a championship in Boston at that point. Yeah, no, yeah, he, no. They, they coached. I mean, Doc coached against Elton, you know, in Boston when Elton was on those Sixers teams and certainly in a playoff series, the the Uncut Gems playoff series. Now. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they didn't really have much of a relationship. So that's... You know, I mean, it's look, it's it's early days. We we don't know, you know, what's going to go on, what um, what ultimately happens under Elton. But I, I would imagine that Doc, he'll have more of a voice, I would say, than the regu- the the normal coach. And that's um, that'll be interesting because his track record picking players has not been good. No, no, and it's just it's it's too much. What what do you think about Doc as a coach? developing players because that's something doesn't really have a very strong track record of if you go back to the 2008 title team rondo and perkins were both very young as starters but to be fair like the other three guys are pretty good 
at that point. Um, do you think like, I, you know, he was asked about Thibel and, and Milton and he, he obviously said nice things about both of them. I, I wonder a little bit though, like if those two guys are here and they're not used as part of a, a trade in the off season, do we trust like Doc Rivers to develop them moving forward? Because I'm not sure there's a lot in his, uh, in his resume that says that like, he's the guy who cares about that a lot. No, um, there's not. I mean, there's specific one of them, oddly his son, uh, his son got better while playing. He's like the only one on the Clippers <laughs> that was under like 27. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the good things is the Sixers have so little depth. He kind of has to play shaken Matisse. Is that, can I classify that as a good one? Like he can't get out of playing young players. No, I mean, look, he is a, he's a veteran coach, a veterans coach, especially when you're talking about a team winning. I think this is probably going to be one of the areas that people are going to be frustrated with him by. But I think right now the Sixers are so committed to Matisse and Shake, not just because Matisse and Shake are unique, but they, they are certainly on this roster, they're unique. Uh, Matisse is unique across the league, but also because they're so young, so cheap, and role players, they would be hard to replace with... Uh, with comparable veterans that you just don't have the uh, the flexibility to get them. So I think he's going to have to play them. I don't think he's going to cut back their minutes drastically. But yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot to point to in his Clippers days that would um, give you a whole lot of confidence in terms of player development, for sure. Matisse that, is the one that worries me. Yeah. I think he he's going to play he, Shake. He will drive him crazy sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and I think Doc might default to offense, in some cases, I mean, that's not completely fair. Like, he had Luke and Bob Mute for a while in Los Angeles, but I don't know. I was talking to Jamal Crawford this week, Lou Williams, Montrez. Seems like he defaults more to offense. And to be fair, you know, I'm a little more worried about Matisse because he's a he's one that you need patience with. Like, he, he does, I guess, some crazy stuff on the defensive end, and he's not um, – He's not always the the most consistent offensive player. And, you know, I I think that might just be a problem in general for any coach to deal with. Like, Brett pulled the plug on him in that playoff series pretty quick when that became apparent. But I'd be a little worried about that. But to be fair, like it's like you said, you know, when you look at the Sixers tax bill, they better get something out of those guys because they need cheap contributors for the next few years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're in a they're in a tough spot. They really do need Matisse and Shake. Um, they need their contributions. Shake, I think, is consistent enough both in his mindset and what he brings that I think he will be okay. I think you're probably right in that Matisse is probably the one that you worry about a little bit there. Um, we'll see though. Like yeah. I think Matisse is also unique enough that like I I really don't think he's gonna fall out of the rotation. It's just if you're expecting Matisse to maybe make that jump. And become that net like the starting solution if Josh Richardson leaves. That's where I would be a little bit concerned. But I also were I I would also be concerned about Matisse making that jump, regardless of uh, his coach. Let's talk about a uh, sacrifice a little bit because that was one of the main themes, and I wrote about that this week. It kind of goes back to what I said about Jimmy and, and Boston lighting it up in these playoffs. That I hope. You know, whenever they're working out this offseason, obviously, like you said, Joel is dealing with real life stuff. Um, but like whenever he's working out this season, how these playoffs have gone, like are, are pretty frustrating to those two guys. 
pissed him off a little bit. Because the idea of sacrifice that Doc was talking about in Boston, to me, it was just so much different. It was more just, hey, guys, can uh, can each of you take four or five less shots per game? And it's not like, hey, get in better shape and get over your fear of shooting jump shots. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that those Boston guys were at different points of their careers. They were a yep. little bit older. I mean, I don't want to say they were ancient. They were pretty significantly older, I think. They were all around, what, 30? Yeah. And then Bede's, what, 26, 27, Ben's 24, 25? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't, I forget ages now, whatever. Um, they're a little younger. And they've probably done a little more consistent winning than all three of those guys, so the, the desperation factor might not be the same. But you would just hope that, like, coming into this, last season went poorly enough where they said, okay, we're willing to to listen to this guy because he... um. He's done it. He's done a similar type of project before, and uh, while yeah, while it's a little bit different, I'm just curious if they're at the uh, at the stage of their careers to uh, to fully buy in. Yeah, twenty six, twenty four. Uh, ben just turned twenty four. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is like you said. I think the challenges with Boston and with Philadelphia will be different. Um, getting Joel to really focus on his diet is different than asking Kevin Garnett to take a couple fewer shots when Kevin Garnett probably wanted to take fewer shots anyway. He did. Yeah. Um, getting Ben to shoot is vastly different than really anything he's probably ever had to deal with in his career. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's the exact opposite. It's take less shots and now it's take more shots, right? Take a shot. Yeah. I mean, it is, we'll see. I mean, it's, 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 I'm, I'm a little skeptical whether or not, uh, coaching is the biggest drawback in terms of, or the biggest hindrance in terms of bench shooting. I don't think, I I think expecting any coach to walk in and just fix, uh, Ben in terms of being confident and taking that shot. I think it's probably a little bit unrealistic. Um, if he gets over this and gets over sort of his mental hurdle and his comfort zone, then I think that will be largely on him. Uh, and I will give him a lot of credit for that. I don't think it would be just a new voice. I don't know. We'll see. But I don't. It, it, it's tough for me to tell you I have confidence right now, and it's tough for me to tell you that I think Doc is going to change that materially. So we'll see. You know what I'm sick of, and it, unfortunately, I'm going to be a little bit of an ageist here because it tends to come from our, our older media colleagues. Stop saying all he needs is like a 12 or a 15 footer. Oh yeah, that does nothing. It yeah. does jack shit. Now, look, if you're going to tell me, like, especially for a pull-up shot, like, if you're going to tell me at first pull-up game is going to be a 15-footer, it'll be a 17-footer, then it'll be a 20-footer, and then it'll be a pull-up three, that I can get behind. Yeah, fine. Like, I'll I'll take a, a mid-range 15-foot pull-up shot just because it's a, a step in the direction of where you want to eventually go. But, like, a 15-foot catch-and-shoot shot, like, that's that's does nothing. That doesn't even really space the floor. No. It, I mean, the, the dunker spot is almost 15 feet away from the basket. It is 12 right. feet away from the basket, so... What are we doing there? It's uh, it's not helpful. He does need to shoot threes eventually, and um, you know, and let if he end up, if he ends up being like a a Dirk Nowitzki, maybe even like a Jimmy Butler level mid range shooter, okay. But he's so far from that. I'd rather him try and get decent at the thing that gives you an extra point. That's all I'm saying. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Like, can you be passable at that? Because that's a a much bigger difference, both in terms of spacing and the uh. 
and the old point value you get for those shots. He is he is going to be a low percentage, uh, low usage scorer, low usage shooter, jump shooter specifically. You do not want your low usage players taking mid range jumpers. Like that will never be a steady diet of his. He already takes too many floaters anyway. You don't want to throw in a steady diet of mid rangers too. It's unbelievable. Like the people, well. do hook shots and things like that. No, <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Don't. Yeah. He's terrible at that. Uh-uh. Right. It's like the one thing he's bad at. Don't do not do that, man. All right, let's pause for one more break to hear a word from our sponsor. Did you, what did you make of uh, him talking about like his position? It seems like he doesn't want to really get too deep into the weeds on that yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, that's one area where it's like, all right, like, especially with, in terms of, of Simmons, like you're going to want to have that conversation with him. You're going to want to have that conversation with what he's comfortable with, where he's willing to grow, where, how much he's willing to have the ball, how much he's not going to have the ball. I wouldn't expect that kind of detail on a, on on an opening presser for sure. He was talking about the Lakers and how big they are. It's it's also like all, all of these, these sort of, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He, you know, he he basically brought up, well, everybody tried to copy Golden State, um, and I think a lot of people made a mistake doing that. And I, mm, like, well, look, I'm not sure I agree with that. <laughs> I don't agree with that either. Like the entire league shoots Shooting. way more than they ever have. Like everyone across one through thirty shoots more than it's not just like it's not just the impact of Golden State. It's the impact of analytics and Houston and just people coming to realize how much benefit there is. I don't think too many teams are really copying Golden State as much as just where the league has gone. And Los Angeles is sort of like this outlier because you have just two incredible talents in AD and LeBron. I would say trying to copy them. Like, the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons pick and roll, that little snug pick and roll they like to do, that's not going to be LeBron and AD. No matter how much you work on it, no matter how much you try to use your size, you're not going to get those kind of results out of it. Uh, the Sixers have to be a little more creative than that. But um, I do think watching these finals, and it's something that Doc also kind of alluded to, as good as LeBron and AD are, and as good as Miami has been, and we're recording basically right before Game 5, so this could be over. By the time uh, this hits your ears, um, the way Miami's played their kind of egalitarian style of basketball in the playoffs, it's been very impressive. I do not see any super teams in these finals. Those teams have flaws. And I think for the Sixers, less the Sixers because they're far away, but for them and for every other team, they can at least look at these finals and say, okay, this isn't the Golden State juggernaut from three years ago where if they're healthy, the rest of us have no shot. That's all. Yeah, for sure. Um, the closest, the most complete team in the NBA this year is the one Doc coached. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like, I mean, with his offense and his defense, like, if, when you look up the uh, the regular season stats on these that Clippers team, as much as they were going through the motions, it seemed like at times, pretty good, man. Top five yeah. on both ends of the floor. Yes. <laughs> um, good players. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it'll be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what all of this actually means. You know, I think it, it's also hard to 
Well, he, he said, we're going to use our size to advantage. That's a different question than do we need to reshuffle the roster and get more shooting and ball handling and pick and roll play. Just because he's saying like right now, this is the roster. These are their strengths. Play to their strengths. It doesn't mean he's not also saying behind closed doors, we need to change our strengths a little bit. Sure. So as much as like some of the, we're big, use our size, be who you are. It might be like, oh man, we're going back to bully ball. Yeah. We'll see what they do when um I would you say know, free agency gets here and the draft gets here and you can make all these transactions. The Clippers doc teams, if you're going to make me pick one skill that they've had the past six years, it is dribbling the ball. Yes. They've had a lot of ball handlers over those years. And uh, I think he is a smart enough guy to look at this roster and say, okay, we, yeah, we're big, but we, we kind of need a little more of that because that's A, how I operate and, and B, how uh, – how a lot of teams operate that are pretty good. So I think he's smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he can't, he can't come in here and talk about a different team. Like he's talking about the team that he currently has. Any other, uh, any other major takeaways here? No, not, not really. I mean, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what his staff looks like. Who of the Clippers guys can he take? Yep. Especially because Ty Lue, if he gets that job, you know, you would assume some of the Clippers coaches would be like, all right, yeah, I'll stay here. We're a pretty awesome team, you know. Um, yep. They're probably paid pretty well by Bomber. And, you know, it'd be kind of a weird situation with Lou moving one seat over, but it's certainly happened before. Something Lou has done before. Sam Cassell. I think the, the guy who ran their defense the past year was this guy, Rex Kalamian. I don't know exactly how to say his name. Sure. He is the bald white guy on the bench next to him. <laughs> but that's that's been an important position under Doc. Tibbs basically became Tibbs in Boston with, uh, with Doc handing over the keys to him on that end of the court. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see who of the Sixers staff, if anybody, will he keep? Yep. Kevin, already already lost uh, Kevin Young, yep. Kevin Young's already gone. I wonder, you know, Ime Udoka seems like somebody who, you know, I don't know if he's any good, but he's certainly well thought of around the league. Might not be a bad guy to uh, to keep around. Yep. No, it, it, I mean, like you said, it'll be interesting what happens with uh, with Lou. It'll be interesting to happen, what happens with Sam Cassell. Sam who Cassell, is, yeah. I think he was uh, interviewing for the Houston job. Uh, and I think that both of those could impact what of Doc's staff is willing to to join him. You know, historically Doc has brought some assistance with him when he changes. I think he I think he brought like four or five guys from Boston to the Clippers initially. So you would expect there will be some over there. Um Armand Hill specifically I think has been eighteen yeah. straight years. He's been with, there forever. Uh, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> those those him sitting next to or behind him. I was always like, who is that guy? He's always been behind him. And then I looked it up this week. It is Armand Hill. He's also a local. Well, not local. I think he he grew up in, or he's originally from New York, but he went to college in Princeton, uh, coached high school in New Jersey. So you'd expect he would be uh, interested in coming over. Other than that, like you said, Ty Lue possibly getting the job could impact some of the availability. Rex Kalamian uh, is probably the other one, but he doesn't have a huge history with Doc. He was only there for, I think, two years. And before then, he had kind of bounced around. He was with Toronto, OKC before that. Uh, he's actually was with the Sixers once way back in the Billy King era as a scout. So he has been uh, well-traveled, but he's pretty well thought of defensively. So we will see how that shakes out. Um, we will see how the 
front office shakes out. Uh, not entirely sure if either of those are going to be resolved quickly. Like, I'm not sure if we're talking about a before the next podcast kind of time frame, but my guess is see. the coaching staff will be resolved faster than the, the front office. Just a guess. But I, Doc did talk a little bit this week somewhere about, you know, I want to get my staff. I want to get that in place. That's the first thing. Oh, so, sure. I mean, some of it, like you said, it might depend on how fast uh, Houston and and the Clippers move. I imagine the Clippers will move pretty fast. Houston, yep. they might they might haggle um, on the contract for the coaches a little bit. So we have no idea how long that'll take. Are you trying to say that Houston's cheap? No, no. Come on. Why, why would I say that? <laughs> Yeah, I I think that that pretty much uh pretty much covers it. Yeah. You know, we got a draft in about a month. We'll start getting into that stuff. Yeah, no shit. So weird. November draft. Um yeah, you- no 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 November 18th, uh, that is coming up quickly. The Sixers have the 21st pick, so there's actually some interest there. Seems like we're officially moving towards kind of a a calendar year type of season. In the same calendar year. Yeah. Michelle Roberts, she had some interviews this week. I think she did one with both Shams and Sam Amick this week on The Athletic. One dollar. Go pick it up. Where I think she she talked about how, you know, late January in 82 games are kind of what they are shooting for right now. So that'll be a little weird. um, Just because now the summers aren't off, but. Oh, I'll be cranky as hell. Cranky as hell. But you know what, though? I, I like my summers, man. I like my summers. I will, too. I'll say this, though. If we have a goddamn vaccine and stuff is, like, somewhat normal, I will not be cranky next summer and people are in the building while the Sixers no. are. Sure. I'm I'm more thinking, like, three years down the, the road. No, like, no, no. I'm, I'm saying two years I'll be cranky. Right. But next year, I will. I'm like Charles Barkley. um, praying in uh in space jam when he lost his talent like he'll never talk back again and stuff like that i i will not complain right about losing our summer uh but yeah it'll just be i think it'll be a, a little weird just because the nba's off time it kind of coincides with you know school being off and people taking vacations and yep. things like that that'll, that'll certainly be different but if they're uh and I'm very curious to see what they do about the Olympics. I guess they just won't let their guys play in it. That'll particularly be a bummer for Ben Simmons, I would say. I, look, I don't know what they'll do. Maybe they'll do a a three week Olympic break, like like they used to do in hockey or something like that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be certainly pretty different next season. Yep. Uh, no, but I'm, winter basketball is perfect for me because a I hate the winter and b I like basketball, so I get to distract myself with how awful the cold is. By uh, having basketball to uh, to focus on, and in the summer I get to, uh, you know, I get to enjoy my summer. I'm very much a fan of the way things were. Uh, the pandemic has changed everything about the world, so this would would fit right in. Um, I would love it if they reverted back to that over. But I, I just don't know how they're going to do it in, unless they sacrifice some games at some point. Yeah, it, it would seem like something like, all right, let's do 72 games for two years, and then maybe we can get it back to normal. But they don't seem that interested in that. I wouldn't mind going to Vegas sometime other than fucking late July, though. That would be pretty cool. Well, you're in luck. Vegas in late July is not a whole lot of fun. 
I mean, it's still Vegas, but like it's 104 degree Vegas. Anyway, nobody really cares about us complaining about getting paid company vacations to Vegas. So we will probably it's a good time end the to podcast. cut it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're rambling here. Um, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.